just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Thursday. It's been a busy week, and we've got some things happening later today as well that are going to be interesting to watch. Now, before we get to the news at hand, the things that happened yesterday, I've got a couple of emails to address. First one comes from Denise. She says, Mike, the question of why Pence would fight having to testify and in so doing protect someone who threw him under the bus and even encouraged violence against him seems obvious to me. Might be as simple as Pence is protecting Trump in order to protect himself. Many MAGA might put Pence and his family in deeper physical danger if they think he has turned on Trump. Pence has lived through that already, and it was frightening. And Trump might throw him under the proverbial bus again if once again the loyalty of Pence is questioned. Pence could truly be in danger. Just a thought, Denise. Well, I'll be honest with you, Denise. I think that's part of it. You know, he got a little nervous when you've got crowds of people crashing in windows saying that they're going to hang him. I've got a feeling that's that's got to set a tone with you that probably sticks with you. And I think that's part of it. But I also think that uh, Mike Pence is just a typical spineless fucking politician. I think he's misreading the situation a little bit. Yes, I think he may be concerned for his safety and the safety of his family. That makes sense given what happened. But at the same point, for some reason, he thinks he's going to be the candidate for the presidency for the Republicans in 2024. And that is absolutely delusional. That's just not going to happen. I mean, the facts bear that out. I mean, he's not young by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not old enough to retire as yet. So he's seeing where his career is going to go. And since the only thing he's ever done is been a politician, and the only place he can go that would be the next step would be the presidency, I think he feels in his heart that it's kind of his right. He's the next one in line that should be running for president. Donald Trump should step out of the way. Everybody should step out of the way. So Mike Pence can become president of the United States. But as I say, he's delusional because that can never happen. If everybody stepped aside and just let him run, he would still lose significantly. You know, in that sense, Mike Pence is a little like uh, like Hillary Clinton. In 2016, when she ran against Donald Trump, it was believed that uh, it was her turn. She was the only one that could run for president. As much as other people wanted Bernie Sam- Sanders, uh, Hillary Clinton seemed like it was owed to her. And I think Mike Pence kind of feels the same way. Now, Mike Pence has a lot of problems. The Trump mega fucks, the 30% or so, never going to vote for him because they wanted to hang him. And he should remember that. He does remember that. He's afraid of that. So maybe he's afraid of upsetting them and putting himself and his family in danger. But somehow I think he can fina- He thinks he can finesse this a little bit. Donald Trump will get indicted. He'll be out of the way. And he feels that maybe the MAGA folks will look at him as the next best thing. Well, That's not going to be the case at this point. The next best thing is only the best thing for most of these MAGA fucks. They're looking to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are different kinds of humans than Mike Pence. These are ruthless, criminal, corrupt pieces of shit. Mike Pence is just a spineless 
piece of shit. Either one of these two will roll over the top of him, assuming either one of them is still in the running for the presidency come 2024, and I'm not convinced that will happen. But no Democrat's going to vote for Mike Pence. No MAGA fuck is going to vote for Mike Pence. And most of the people in the Republican Party feel like he's kind of tainted by as long as he's been connected to Donald Trump and the fact that he supported Donald Trump. You know, a lot of these people in the Republican Party will say, I support Donald Trump. But behind the scenes, they'll say, I wish this fucker would die. I want him out of the way. Donald Trump has been very destructive to the Republican Party. All the Republicans know this. Maybe not the MAGAs, but the regular Republicans know this. But they're too afraid to stand up to Donald Trump because of what he might do, whether it be their physical safety or their future, or he'll make fun of them, or he'll expose something they know. They're all scared to death of Donald Trump. And that kind of goes back to what I've always said about Republicans. Everything in their party is based on fear. They're scared to death. They spend every day trying to make their uh, constituents scared in order to whip them up to vote their way. This whole scenario with Mike Pence is not going to work. As much as he wants to hold out and not testify in front of the DOJ, that too is delusional. He will testify uh, in front of the DOJ. There's no question about it. He can try to delay it, but inevitably he will testify. We saw it with Mark Meadows in Georgia and Rudy Giuliani in Georgia. They made similar claims and similar defenses. All of it failed, and they ended up having to testify. The same will happen with Mike Pence. Um, what he does when he gets there, if he pleads the fifth, well, that's not necessarily a good thing for him to do because then he's suggesting that he committed some crime. There'll have to come a point where people will have to speak up and tell the truth or risk their own freedom. Now, I think what Mike Pence is trying to do is he's waiting for Donald Trump to get indicted. Once that mess all starts, then he won't be the one that inflicted the first shot, the first blood, if you will. Once that happens, the shit show will start and everybody will just start piling on. And then all of a sudden, Mike Pence will get brave. Once it's exposed and once he's indicted, then Mike Pence will say, yeah, I always believe that, in spite of the fact that he never would say it. Mike Pence is a gutless human being. He may be afraid for his own safety, the safety of his family, but what he's most afraid of is that his career is over. And somehow he's delusional enough to think he still has a career, but he doesn't. It's fucking over, Mike. You fucked up. You stuck with Donald Trump too long, and now it's over for you. He's still trying to convince himself that he has a chance. He has no chance. Mike Pence will talk to the DOJ. He has no choice. He has no standing in terms of his defense. So it'll be a minor delay. And when I say minor delay, it won't be like the select committee where you have these court cases that go on and on forever. This is the DOJ, and these court cases will happen quickly. He'll file the lawsuit. He'll lose. He'll ask for appeal. He'll lose like in a few days. It'll happen very quickly. We saw that to a certain extent with Donald Trump when he was getting appeals. And then he'll finally take it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court won't hear it, and he will have to testify. He will have bought a little bit of time, but ultimately he's going to have to talk. At some point, our, our, our little vice president has to grow up and be a man, have a set of balls, and actually speak the truth. And, and is that really a lot to ask when you think about it? A former vice president to step forward and speak the truth about an attempted coup against this country. Now, if we have a vice president that doesn't think he has to speak on that or that he refuses to speak on that, that really puts in question his credibility and his qualifications for ever being president of the United States or any political leader for that matter. 
So I appreciate the uh, comments, Denise. We'll see what happens. But I don't think Mike is going to be able to delay this very much longer. All right. Next one comes to us from Deb. She says, good evening, Mike. This has nothing to do with politics, but it humored me. So I thought I'd share. That's fine. We don't always have to talk about politics. I only always talk about politics because I think that's what you want to hear. If you want to talk about some other shit, I'm cool with that. I came across a video on TikTok that piqued my interest, she says. The woman speaking was talking about swinging and some sign having to do with a loofah. Haven't heard that one. Of course, I'm not a swinger either. (laughs) She is a registered sex therapist and apparently heads the swingers clubs and parties, etc. that they have. What got me interested in this was she spoke of the villages in Florida. She spouted off some facts about the percentage of STDs that are spread in the villages and how high the spread of HIV is in the over 50 group. This got me thinking and laughing out loud. The villages are filled with uptight conservative Republicans, as we have seen on TV many times. They're rude, racist, generally just the type of people you want to avoid. So can someone please explain how they can be swingers and still hold those uptight belief systems? I mean, we know Republicans lie, but oh my lanta, this is really the pot calling the uh, kettle black. She goes on to say, I spent some time this evening looking up articles written about the uh, villages and the rumors. The most I could verify for certain is the numbers regarding STDs among the over 50 group and the same with HIV. It seems there is some truth to this and it's amazed me that those people could be so hypocritical, although it shouldn't. It's just like they are with everything. Say one thing, do another. Just thought I'd share and point out once again what dickweeds these people are. Anyway, again, thanks for your calming attitude in face of so much chaos and keep doing what you're doing. Deb, P.S., just so you know, going forward, since you had an issue with the, re- the word regarding Biden's beach house, the pronunciation is Rehoboth. We have a beach house near there. Deb, you have a beach house near the president? Well, that's pretty hoity-toity, Deb. I have a condo in Savannah. You have a beach house. Wow. We should get you on the show and find out uh, what's going on in your life. Sounds like it's going pretty well, Deb. But I'm glad you brought up the villages. You know, as somebody who's older, who seeks out the heat in the depths of the winter here in Minnesota, I've known some people. In fact, people in the condo complex we live in, many of them will be up here in the summer and then head down to the villages in Florida in the winter. I saw... And I I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was fucking crazy. And it was a documentary about the villages. And wow, that that was a pretty fucking slimy place in some instances. The only story I remember from the documentary is there was this one guy, this old guy. I mean, like in his 70s. And he didn't have a lot of money, so he slept in his car a lot. So what this guy would do, he would sleep in his car in the parking lot somewhere near the villages. He'd primp himself up in the morning, and then he'd walk over to the villages trying to hit on the elderly women. And they were buying into it. And from time to time, they'd let him live with them. And they were boyfriend and girlfriend. It's just, it was hysterical to me that somebody in their 70s would do that. I can't imagine, you know, when you're 20 years old, you'd say, let's go to the bar and find girls. And I'm sure the girls did the same thing about the guys or whatever your sexual preference is. I'm not trying to, (laughs) trying to limit anybody. But but being 70 years old and being single, a widow or divorced or whatever you are, and you're going over to the villages with people well over 50 in most cases and trying to hustle women in order to score a sugar mama. And you're 73 years old. That's just fucking hysterical to me. 
And this poor guy was a sad sack. I mean, he literally lived in his car until, you know, he could find a woman that would take him on. But it would never last very long. And eventually the villagers found out that this guy was loitering around the villages but didn't own property in the villages. So he was quickly 86th out of the villages. So he had to come up with some new plan. But where does a 73-year-old guy whose whole business is hustling wealthy women to stay alive? (laughs) I got to think the options are limited. But you're right. I've heard about this uh, STD thing down in the villages in Florida. And, And like you say, these are largely conservative people, religious people, people who were you know, racist and generally the type of people you wouldn't avoid, like you said. But it isn't surprising that they would be hypocritical. I mean, you listen to the Republicans now on the political level, and they do a lot of projection. They accuse people of doing things that they are doing themselves. I really believe these people think they're above everybody else. They don't want people doing things like this, but it's okay for them because they're special. And if you've ever met those folks from the villages or any Republicans or any Trump they are special, but not in the good kind of way. These people are pieces of shit. They look down their noses at average people. They try to affect and control what they can and can't do, like abortion or whatever. But then they go into their little commune, so to speak, and do whatever the fuck they want because they think they're special. I get it, Deb. I, you know, somebody asked me, they said, you know, you should get a place down in the villages. I said, fuck no. I'm not going to go set myself down in the middle of Trumplefuckville and 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 try to talk to these people. I'm not that nice a guy. I'm not that easygoing enough to be able to sit with these folks and actually try to make friends with them. If they are truly conservative Republicans and Trump supporters, I don't want anything to fucking do with them. And the people here in this condo complex, I don't know them really, but I know they go to the villages. I can only assume that they are Trumplefucks. I don't talk to them either. That's that's really all you can do. Stay away from the shitty shittiest of us, and that would be the Trumplefucks. Well, we've got some interesting things happening today, Thursday. You remember the story a judge in Georgia was ordered to uh, publicly release uh, today a report from the special grand jury that focuses on whether former President Donald Trump broke state law by pressuring local officials to change the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, that, you know, he actually did that. I mean, it's on audio recording, so we know he did it, and we know it is a criminal offense. However, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney said he doesn't plan for now to release the bulk of the grand jury's work, including the parts that addresses potential criminal liability for Trump or other individuals. Now, in an order released Monday morning responding to requests from the media, these are the people that pressured to get this report released. They wanted access to the special grand jury's report. McBurney said he intends to put the introduction and the conclusion to the summation of the public record this week, along with a portion of the report with discussions about potential false statements made to the grand jury under oath. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis indicated last month that decisions on whether to charge any subjects of her investigation are imminent. Her year-long probe into whether Trump violated Georgia law, which he did, in part by urging Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find enough votes. Now, this is interesting. We're not going to see the whole report. But there are going to be some tiny windows opened up, and we'll get some information. And I'll guarantee you, once every 
little piece of information that gets out there, everybody's going to speculate on what that means. And this is going to drive Donald Trump and the people around him nuts because it's not just about Donald Trump. It's about Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, Bannon, um, Roger Stone. All these people are likely to be implicated in this thing. But it's interesting. You've got the introduction and the conclusion. That kind of gives us, like you said, a summation of what happened in the grand jury. It's not the whole story. It's not giving names. But it's interesting that they would also release a section that talks about their concerns about people who lied to the grand jury. That's interesting because lying to the grand jury is illegal. That is perjury, and people go to jail for that. It's also interesting that somehow this grand jury knows they were lied to. And it'll be interesting to find out how they know that, presumably from other people giving testimony that is contrary to what the people who lied are saying. This is going to make some people nervous. Those people who testified in front of the grand jury maybe don't know that they know that they lied. But later today, they're going to find out that they know somebody lied. And if they know they lied, they're going to be a little nervous about what's going on here. Now, while publication may not be convenient for the pacing of the district attorney's investigation, the compelling public interest in these proceedings and the unquestionable value and importance of transparency require the release, McBurney wrote in his eight-page order. So basically, he's compromising here. Fonnie Willis did not want this released. She did not want it released to the public because she feared that it would... would uh, cause problems or make it unfair for future defendants. She also said that um, there are going to be some imminent decisions. So what I'm guessing is right now we are going to see some indictments very quickly, very soon, like within a week or two, I would guess. Now that the report has been looked over by the grand jury, they're releasing parts of the report to the general public. That's really all that's left to do is to issue the indictments. And based on the way Fonnie Willis was talking, I can't believe that there aren't going to be some indictments. Now, we don't know who those indictments will be issued to. It could be Donald Trump, Roger Stone, Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani. The only one we know we feel pretty confident about getting an indictment is Rudy Giuliani. And the only reason we think that is because Fonnie Willis told Rudy Giuliani that he was a target in this investigation. That means they know he is culpable with some crimes in this situation. And he's likely to get an indictment. Now, it's going to be interesting. When these people get indictments, what do they do with that? It's not over yet. Now, maybe many of these people weren't willing to talk much or, as uh, this judge said, maybe they lied. I got to think when the indictments hit, these people are going to have some second thoughts. You know, maybe I should talk and maybe be a little more forthcoming. Otherwise, I'm going to end up in jail. It's funny about uh, these Republicans they're all about delay tax tactics, but in every one of the cases where they've delayed, they've ultimately had to give in and show up. What is that delay worth to them if they know, in fact, it's not going to be a winning, a winning strategy? The only thing I can think of is what I was talking about with Mike Pence. Everybody is on their toes right now, worried about being the first one, the first one to indict somebody, the first one to testify against Donald Trump. What will Donald Trump do? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you right now, Donald Trump is losing support. He's losing power. They should be able to recognize that. And it's about time to start piling on Donald Trump and putting the blame where it belongs instead of willing being willing to take the blame on yourself or take the heat anyway on yourself by protecting Donald Trump. We're getting closer and closer to that moment in time when people will say, 
all right, fuck it. Let's just bury Donald Trump. That's how it's going to end. I guarantee you that's how it's going to end. These people aren't going to be like Alan Weisselberg and say, I'll do five months for Donald Trump. These motherfuckers ain't going to do any time for anybody if they can help it. They've got careers to look forward to. You think Mark Meadows or Mike Pence is willing to do time for Donald Trump and ruin their entire careers? They're still young enough that they've got some future and they've got to do something with it. And all they know is being a politician. The moment they get indicted, their careers are over. So they may walk it up to the very last moment, but they're not going to sacrifice themselves for Donald Trump. It's just not going to happen. It is frustrating that they are willing to push it to the edge, thinking that somehow it'll all go away or somehow they will be saved or somehow they will be able to run out the clock. Well, in this instance, we're not talking about the select committee where the midterms changed it. This is the DOJ. And the DOJ will stay the way it is for at least two years through the Biden term. So to try to run out the clock is absolutely a fool's errand. It's not going to work. They're too far down the road. And how do I know they're too far down the road? Well, they're talking to people. They want to talk to Donald Trump. They want to talk to Mike Pence. They want to talk to Mark Meadows. That's the last ring around Donald Trump. There's nowhere else to go after that. So we must be in the waning moments of this investigation, at least in Georgia. And that's why I'm suggesting that at some time very soon, we will see some indictments coming out of Georgia. Make no mistake, after going all through this and spending the time that they have, they are going to issue some indictments. It's just a matter of who's going to get the indictments. If it's Done properly, Donald Trump and all the people around him, Giuliani, Meadows, Bannon, Roger Stone, they'll all get indictments, but we'll see. The thing about it is with Fonnie Willis, she is kind of a bulldog, and she doesn't seem to be afraid about uh, stepping on anybody's toes, and that's good news. The sad thing about this is we've got Fonnie Willis, a DA in Fulton County, Georgia, a county district attorney doing the investigation of her lifetime. Because make no mistake, when those indictments go out and there are trials, this will be the biggest case, not only of her career, but some of the biggest cases in the history of this country. But she's not blinking. She's not flinching. She's still going after that. But please tell me, how does poor little Fawny Willis beat the DOJ to the punch? Beat Jack Smith and Merrick Garland to the punch. That seems funny, doesn't it? This is going to put some extra pressure on uh, the DOJ. And frankly, also today we got some news, and we'll talk about it at the next break, after the next break. Uh, But the DOJ seems to be doing a lot of foot shuffling and uh, doing some stupid shit. And the story we'll talk about after the break is something that gives me some concern about the DOJ. I realize that they are slow to act, clearly. Jack Smith has sped things up a little bit, but Merrick Garland has been dragging his feet for fucking two years. I understand he's methodical, he's careful, and he wants everything to be right, but at some point you've got to act. You can't keep shuffling your feet. You've got to do something. And time is now starting to run out. Now that we're past the midterms and less than two years away from the 2024 election, he better get to getting right now because the time is short. And if we go through these next two years and Merrick Garland and Jack Smith don't do shit, well, the Democrats are going to pay for that. And you know what? They fucking deserve it if that's what happens. I don't believe that will happen, but I get nervous when I see some of the things I'm seeing now. I get nervous about it. And to be perfectly honest with you, if you keep if we keep seeing them do nothing, I might change my attention from Donald Trump 
and the Tromplifax to the DOJ. Somebody needs to put some pressure on the DOJ, more pressure than's already on them, because they need to act at some point very soon, some point in the next 8 to 10 months. At the latest, they've got to do something. You don't want to get into 2024 and still be dicking around with this. I don't think Jack Smith is that kind of guy, but we haven't seen any indictments yet, and we're getting anxious for it, and time is running short funny thing is, here's Fonnie Willis down in Georgia, this little county DA, and she's beating the DOJ to the punch. That's got to put some pressure on Merrick Garland and Jack Smith, too. How is it that the House Select Committee and little Fonnie, Jordan, or little Fonnie Willis in Georgia are beating them to the punch? Why is it the DOJ needed evidence from the Select Committee? That's not how it goes. It's usually the Select Committee getting evidence from the DOJ. This isn't a good look for the DOJ or Merrick Garland or Jack Smith for that matter. It's like that old Janet Jackson song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? And right at this point, you haven't done anything for for us lately. It's about time. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, this next story is a story that causes me concern with regards to the DOJ. The Justice Department is dropping its sex trafficking charges against Representative Matt Gates, attorneys for the congressman said Wednesday. So Matt Gates' own people said they heard from the Justice Department and they were dropping the sex trafficking charges against Gates. Now, Gates is a big ally of former President Donald Trump, has been under investigation since 2020 over allegations that he had sex with a 17-year-old, paid for her travel with him across state lines, and obstructed justice to conceal the relationship, crimes that often carry a heavy penalty. Yeah, I guess child sex trafficking can be a heavy penalty. So they say, we've just spoken with the DOJ and have been informed that they have concluded their investigation into Congressman Gates and allegations related to sex trafficking and obstruction of justice, and they have determined not to bring any charges against him, his attorneys Mark McCassie and Isabel Kirshner said in a statement. Now, CNN also reported that senior officials with the department informed lawyers for witnesses Wednesday that they would not be prosecuting Gates. The Justice Department did not immediately return requests for more information. Now, of course, Gates just won re-election last year. He's under investigation for child sex trafficking, and these dumb fucks in Florida voted him in. He's maintained that he never had sex with a minor, brought one across state lines for sex or obstructed justice to cover up doing so. I have a suspicion that someone is trying to recategorize my generosity to ex-girlfriends as something more untoward. (laughs) Your your ex-girlfriend who happened to be 17. It doesn't matter if she's your girlfriend or not. She's fucking 17. Now, there were indications in recent months that Gates' probe had stalled. In October, NBC News reported that investigators were concerned about the credibility of some key witnesses. The Washington Post reported similarly in September, saying career prosecutors were recommending against charges because of the issues with some witnesses. Well, I can tell you which witness they had a problem with. That would be Joel Greenberg, his, his wingman, his Bestie, the guy that was convicted of a number of crimes, the guy that said he would give evidence on Matt Gates in exchange for deals or 
less time. The probe initially took off after investigators began looking into Joel Greenberg, a Florida tax collector and a close ally of Gates, for sex trafficking, a crime that recently earned him an 11-year prison sentence. While seeking a pardon from Trump at the end of his presidency, Greenberg wrote a letter that Gates had engaged in sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and witnessed him send the girl money on payment apps. Now, as far as we know, there are text messages that exist Venmo payments that exist. And I don't, you know, I don't know how much more you need than that. In 2021, the Daily Beast also obtained text that Greenberg had sent Trump ally Roger Stone while seeking the pardon, writing of his lawyer and Gates. They know he paid me to pay the girls and that he and I both had sex with a girl who was underage. Now, here's the deal. Joe Greenberg is a slimy, corrupt fucking criminal. He's not the best witness in any legal proceeding. But here's where my concern comes in this whole situation. If they were counting on Joel Greenberg to, to supply evidence to throw Matt Gates under the bus, why did it take two years to figure out that he wasn't a good or credible witness. I mean, I got to tell you, if you or I or any average Joe on the street sat down and talked to Joel Greenberg for 15 minutes, we could tell you he's not a credible witness because he's a fucking liar. He makes the shit up. Now, whether he made the shit up about Matt Gates or not, I don't know. We do know Matt Gates is slimy. And uh, he has a checkered background. We know his dad has a lot of money and people tend to get paid off. So Matty Boy gets out of trouble. Whether that played a role in this situation, I don't know. You're going to say, well, the DOJ can't be paid off. I'm not so sure about that. I'm absolutely not so sure about that. I've seen no evidence that they can't be paid off because here's Matt Gates constantly getting in trouble, constantly causing problems, but he's free as a bird and a rep in the House of Representatives. So something happening there. But here's my big issue. For two years, they've been investigating this. For two years, they've been talking to Joel Greenberg even though they should have known that he's not a good candidate as a witness because he's a fucking liar. But for two years, they did this. And for two years, again and again, they cut him a break. Now, the amount of time he could have spent in jail for all the crimes he could committed could be like 30 or 40 years. But yet he ended up with a sentence of 11 years, a significant amount of time, of course, but much less than he would have than he would have had to spend had he not cut these deals. So why is the DOJ cutting deals with a guy who's not a credible witness, doing it two years, extending the time before he had to go to prison time and time again because he had more stuff to give? Is the DOJ so naive that that this dumb fuck played him? It certainly sounds like it. It certainly sounds like Joel Greenberg played the fucking DOJ. And if Joel Greenberg can play the DOJ, what kind of fucking DOJ do we have? It sounds to me like if you're rich, you're powerful, and you have a famous name, you can get away with anything, including child sex trafficking. Well, that's good to know, but contradictory to what we're told by Merrick Garland that no one is above the law. We're finding out every day that that is just a fucking lie. A sitting president is above the law. We know this because Donald Trump committed 10 occasions of obstruction during the Mueller report, and he wasn't indicted. Matt Gates has all kinds of problems, and while the, while the uh, witness wasn't credible, there's text messages. There's other people they talk to. And for whatever reason, the DOJ must have thought he was somewhat credible because they talked to him for two years and cut him a hell of a deal. Now, in my mind, if you cut a deal with a guy and in the end you get nothing in return because you cannot indict Matt Gates, 
I would think you'd want to rescind all those deals you cut because you gave a guy a break, another rich guy, a break on crimes he committed and uh, were supposedly cutting a deal, but you got nothing. The fucking DOJ got nothing out of this deal. I mean, Jesus Christ. I've been in business for myself for a number of years, and I've been involved in negotiations. And I'll guarantee you this, I never got played like that. I was smarter than that. I got in situations where these people weren't credible, and you know what? I got out of it. Let them fucking sink on their own. Why is it the DOJ couldn't see that? Why is it that they couldn't take care of that and protect themselves? This is what troubles me about the DOJ. They really fuck themselves on this one, and they look incredibly stupid. And what do they have to say to explain themselves? Fucking nothing. Oh, not enough evidence. You wasted two years investigating this guy. You spent tons of money. You made people believe that you were going to hold people accountable. But guess what? You haven't held anybody accountable. The only people the DOJ has held accountable with the January 6th, for example, are those people who crashed into the building. Well, what about the people who planned this, who strategized, who paid for it? When are we going to see that? Now, I've said all along, you have to be patient. It has to be done right. And I agree with that. But as I said earlier, time is running out, man. You got to show us something or step aside and get somebody in there that can fucking do it. Henceforth, for me, for all of us, we should be putting immense pressure on the Biden administration and the DOJ to fucking do something. We have been patient. And we'll be more patient if absolutely necessary, but we got to see something. Now, Jack Smith seems like he's uh, doing some things, and he's ramping up things at this point. We know he sent a subpoena to Mike Pence. We know Mike Pence is going to fight it, but we also know Mike Pence is going to lose, and he's going to have to testify. So there, Jack Smith is ramping things up. There's no indication that they have to talk to Pence to make the case. They probably have all they need, but they just like to talk to Mike Pence. Well, Jack Smith sent out another subpoena to a key figure. Jack Smith just issued a subpoena against former President Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Now, Special Counsel Jack Smith's office is seeking documents and testimony related to January 6th, and Meadows received the subpoena sometime in January, the source said. An attorney for Meadows declined comment, of course. The move to subpoena one of Trump's most senior aides in addition to the recent subpoena of former President Mike Pence marks the latest significant step in the special counsel's investigation into Trump's role in seeking to overturn the outcome of the 2020 election. Now, the special counsel subpoena could set up a a clash with the Justice Department and Meadows over executive privilege, but we've been through that. There is no executive privilege with a former president. They like to fight about it, but every time they've taken it to court, it's taken a shit on them. They may do it to bide their time, but as I said earlier, they all want to extend the time or delay it. But they all lose, and they all have to testify anyway. When do they come to the point where they go, well, whether I do it today or two weeks from now, it really doesn't fucking matter. The former White House chief of staff citing executive privilege previously fought a subpoena from the special grand jury in Georgia that was investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. A judge later ordered Meadows to testify, finding him a material and necessary to the investigation. So, as I said before, Meadows did try to fight it in Georgia, but he fucking lost and he had to testify. It's funny, the January 6th committee issued a um, a referral to the DOJ about Meadows not testifying in front of the select committee, and the DOJ did jack shit about it. Meadows was a key figure in the efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Uh, 
Now, previous reports detail how he acted as a middleman helping Trump's allies in Congress like Scott Perry to push the conspiracy theories. And, of course, Meadows was also involved in the phone call between Trump and Georgia Secretary Brad Raffensperger in December of 2020 about the election fraud claims. Meadows actually visited a site where an audit of Georgia's elections was underway and sent emails to Justice Department officials about unsubstantiated fraud allegations. Now, besides the January 6th investigation, Smith is also leading the probe into classified documents, uh, the National Archives and Mar-a-Lago Country Club and all that bullshit. So, so we'll see what happens there. But I think you could almost guarantee that Mark Meadows will go the same route as Mike Pence. He'll refuse to talk. And isn't this interesting? We've got a former vice president the former chief of staff to the president, refusing to testify in a legal proceeding and tell the truth regarding an attempted coup in this country. That says a lot about these fucking humans. These people have no business in politics anymore. They have no business being leaders in politics in this country anymore. And we can only hope when this is all said and done, these folks will be cast aside and become a pariah in this country. Because as much as Donald Trump is guilty, Mike Pence and Mark Meadows are culpable and they will be implicated in this if for no other reason than to be an accessory after the fact because they support him and they were protecting him. They are protecting a criminal and that can't be overlooked. Now, while the White House, or while the House Oversight Committee is investigating Hunter Biden, who has never worked for the U.S. government, uh, the ranking member is going to be exploring Kushner, Jared Kushner. Rask, Jamie Raskin has cited that recent reports from the Post, the Washington Post, on questions around Kushner profiting off his time at the White House. You remember, the Republicans are all head up about this Hunter Biden laptop that they've had for years and never exposed anything. But their big concern is that somehow Hunter Biden benefited because his father was vice president of the United States. It's ironic Because, of course, Jared Kushner, six months after they left office, got a $2 billion investment from Saudi Arabia. Imagine that. Now, Raskin wrote this, I'm deeply troubled by your continued refusal to produce documents regarding the Saudi government's $2 billion investment in your fund in light of recent prominent reporting that Saudi Arabia made that investment in affinity just months after you left a senior White House position where you were responsible for shaping Middle East policy, Raskin wrote to Kushner in a letter. Now, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman chairs the wealth fund that gave the money to Kushner over objections of his advisors. You see, that's that's the thing. Some of these Saudi people said, nah, don't do that. Don't give him $2 million. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman said, fuck that, we're going to do it anyway. What did he get? You don't just hand somebody $2 billion, even if you're extremely wealthy. There's got to be some quid pro quo here. And is it for Jared Kushner to invest it for him? Well, that's ironic, because Jared Kushner has never been a financial guy or somebody who invests or manages money. So let's start him out slow with Two billion dollars. Let's see how he does. Since his time in the White House, Kushner has formed a close relationship with MBS that continues to this day. Raskin wants to know if there are other foreign investors to Kushner's edge fund or if it was just MBS. Well, that's interesting. We have any Russians in here, Russian oligarchs? That should be exposed and laid bare. If we're worried about Hunter Biden's laptop, we should be worried about Jared Kushner. 
I mean, we know for a fact he got $2 billion, and nobody knows what for. Now, thus far, Kushner has turned over nearly 2,000 pages about the relationship, but Raskin's letter said the most of the documents were publicly available ones that do not substantively relate to the Saudi government's investment in the firm. Raskin wrote that when the committee followed up in October, the company's legal officer did not respond. Now, there's a guy, James Comer, who we've talked about before, who is a dumb fuck, who is a Trumplefuck. He's a Republican from Kentucky. He's the GOP's oversight chair, and when asked about Kushner by ABC News, he claimed, everything is on the table. Before we go on to attack President Joe Biden, they are seeking to link the day job of this last surviving son to his White House, Comer cites. Uh, he cites them as Biden's family's suspicious business schemes with foreign adversaries. Well, ironic that he would say that. Go ahead. Tell us about Hunter Biden. If you find something, fucking indict that motherfucker. We don't care. But tell me, tell me that six months after leaving office, leaving the White House, mysteriously, the Saudi Arabian crown prince gives Jared Kushner $2 billion. Doesn't that seem a little mysterious or suspicious to you? Apparently not to Republicans because they don't care about the theft or the criminality. They're just out to own the libs. They're happy to do what they do. And this goes back to what uh, what we were talking about before uh, with, uh, with Denise in her email. Was it Denise? No, it was Deb with regards to the villages. How can these conservative fucks go out there and be so hypocritical? Well, it's because the people they follow, the people they support, the people they vote for are just the same way. For some reason, these people think they're special and they're above us so they can do whatever they want. But they can shame you for what they don't want you to do, even though they're doing it themselves. It's a fucking sickness here. I mean, it's just there is no logic or sense to it. We can sit here and try to figure it out, but we can't because we're not in the sick minds of these Trumplefucks. Now, Senator Ron Whedon, a Democrat of Oregon, agreed that Saudi issues with Kushner is a current one, and he'd pick up the probe in the Senate Finance Committee as their chair. <clears throat> The financial links between the Saudi royal family and the Trump family raise very serious issues. And when you factor in Jared Kushner's financial interest, you are looking right at the cat's cradle of financial entanglements. This whole thing is very suspicious. Now, Raskin told the Post he's hoping Comer will cooperate with the Oversight Committee. We will definitely work with our partners in the Senate to get all the information we need to order to conduct a thorough and detailed investigation of all the conflicts of interest that we need to learn about. But I'm not going to allow this to be some kind of lopsided partisan witch hunt. Let's have a serious investigation into public policy and the profound ethical concerns that have been raised. You think that's going to happen? You think the Republicans are ever going to take a serious look at Jared Kushner and Saudi Arabia? Remember, Saudi Arabia is an adversarial country to us. We've had a number of presidents that have been very close to Saudi Arabia. And why? Well, because they got a lot of money. And that's all that matters to some politicians. Now, the Trump White House provided arms sales and other things to the Saudi government while in office. Trump also refused to acknowledge the CIA's finding that MBS ordered the capture and assassination of columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Remember, he said, yeah, he said he was good. Then Trump bragged he saved MBS. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo wrote in his book that when we went to visit the Saudis, Trump said, tell him he owes us. He owes us. Well, Donnie, I think he paid you off with two billion fucking dollars. Since then, Trump has profited from the close Saudi relationship. They're financing to start the Live Golf tournaments. It was handed to Trump for the use on his courses, and the profit amount isn't public. It's basically money laundering. 
and Donald Trump is taking his vig off the top, if not taking all of it. Now, Raskin wrote, your efforts to protect the crown prince may have allowed him to maintain his position at the top of the Saudi government and thus his ability to deliver significant financial benefits to you and your father-in-law after the end of the Trump administration. This is what Raskin wrote to Kushner. He complained that Kushner's company failed to produce a single communication related to the reason behind your firm's receipt of $2 billion from Saudi Saudi sovereign wealth fund. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like George Santos. Yeah, I donated $700,000 to my campaign. Where'd you get it? I found it. I don't know. I don't need to tell you. Well, George Santos, you need to tell us. And Jared Kushner, you need to substantiate why you got that $2 billion and what you're doing with it. Excuse me if I don't believe that you're a new investor and that you're helping them turn it into more money. Now, you've only turned it into more money for yourself. Now, we keep hearing about this um, civil case with E. Jean Carroll. She accused Donald Trump of raping her and then defaming her. And he did probably both. Now, U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan on Wednesday slapped down former President Donald Trump's offer to provide a DNA sample for the E. Jean Carroll rape case, saying it seemed likely to be a tactic to delay proceedings. You remember what happened from the beginning of this um, negotiation. They've been asking for a DNA sample because apparently E. Jean Carroll has the dress from the day she was raped. Hasn't been cleaned. There's still DNA on it. Now, Donald Trump refused. He refused. He refused. But when it got to the point where it was going to be too late, and if they accepted the DNA, then they'd have to delay the proceedings, the trial. It was a fucking game. That's all it was. That's what Donald Trump does. He can't face anything up. He can't face justice. He doesn't want justice. He wants the system game for him. And for many years, many decades, he's been able to do that. But it's a much different situation now. As reported by Law and Crime, Judge Kaplan argued that Trump's DNA offer was essentially a quid pro quo deal, where he would only give opposing counsel access to his DNA if Carroll would hand over a previously undisclosed appendix to a report that Ms. Carroll obtained and provided to Trump years ago. Now, Kaplan cited Trump's past history of employing needless delay tactics as a method to push back potential accountability as a reason to be skeptical of his offer. He has employed litigation tactics that affect improbable purpose of which have been to delay Ms. Carroll's actions against him, an object that is significant in the view of the fact that Mrs. Carroll is now 79 years old. Is he trying to run out the clock till she dies? Or is he delusional still and think he's going to run out the clock till he becomes president so he can shut it down? Sorry, Donnie, that's not going to work. He then shut down any prospect for such a deal coming to pass. There is no justification for any such deal, he wrote. Either Miss Carroll is obliged to supply the the omitted appendix, or she is not. Either Mr. Trump is obliged to provide a DNA sample, or he is not. Neither is a quid pro quo for the other, and the short answer to Mr. Trump's request is clear. Carroll's civil lawsuit against Trump, which, uh, again, revolves around allegations that he raped her in the 90s, is due to go to trial this spring, I believe, in April. Donald Trump tried to delay it again with his phony offer to offer DNA, but offered that DNA too late, and he knew it would delay the proceedings. Judge said, fuck you, Donnie. We're going to trial. Now, We've been hearing about these classified documents popping up on Joe Biden's property, Mike Pence's property, 
two totally different circumstances compared to Donald Trump stealing, hiding, and lying to the DOJ about it. Two different situations. But the FBI has conducted now two searches in recent weeks at the University of Delaware as part of an ongoing investigation into Joe Biden's retention and handling of classified documents, according to two senior law enforcement officials. It was not immediately clear what, if anything, the FBI seized. The previous undisclosed searches at Biden's alma mater were first reported by CNN. Now, as with the previous searches of Biden's residence in Delaware and an office in Washington, D.C. that he used after the Obama administration, the president lawyers arranged for the searches with the Justice Department and consented to all the Justice Department demands for the searches. It was reported this week that Special Counsel Jack Smith is asking the judge in Donald Trump's document case to allow crime fraud exception in some of the attorney-client privileges or a kind of umbrella privilege called the common interest privilege. And therein lies a problem for Donald Trump. They want to talk to the lawyers. They want to talk to the lawyers that are employed by Donald Trump. Now, in normal circumstances, they would say, we have client-attorney privilege. We can't talk to you. We can't say anything. Well, there is an exception to that, and that exception is you can talk to them if these communications involve committing a crime, and clearly they have, and clearly Jack Smith uh, believes that they have. So they've taken it to a federal judge, and now a judge is going to decide whether or not these attorneys can testify. And if they do, they got a problem. They can't lie. They certainly aren't going to lie for Donald Trump. That would ruin their careers. They'd probably just be disbarred. I can't believe even at this stage they're willing to go that far for Donald Trump. I've been fooled before with Alan Weisselberg, but I think this is a much different situation. National security lawyer Brandon Van Grack commented on the previous New York Times reporting on the privilege argument saying, These are the final steps in the investigation. Manafort was indicted just a few weeks after Chief Judge Howell in D.C. ruled Mueller could use crime fraud exception. Shouldn't be a long delay for a charging decision once C.J. Howell rules on this one. So this same judge also allowed the crime fraud exception for Manafort. He's more than likely to do the same for Donald Trump. Lippmann, Lippmann, who was a prosecutor, agreed telling MSNBC, we're pretty far down the line of the investigation. I think that's the headline. The focus is not on Corcoran and Bob, said Littman. What happened here is they lie about the subpoena. That's flat out obstruction. They brought Corcoran to a grand jury and want to know, and there's some evidence that's independent of all this, that maybe there was fraud in the communications between Trump and Corcoran. They say, what did Trump tell you? He says, well, I refuse to answer because of attorney-client privilege, Smith says. Fine, see you in court. It's the kind of aggressive move you contrasted with Robert Mueller that Mueller wouldn't do, and it's got Trump and really Trump alone in the crosshairs. This is going to be a problem for Donald Trump and Donald Trump's lawyers. They're going to have no choice but to tell the truth. Now, the New York Times, along with other commentators, have argued that Smith's actions over the past several weeks have been an increase in seriousness or aggressive tactics. What the reporting appears to show is that Smith might be coming to the end of the probe, which is why the DOJ moves seem more hostile than previously. The question is, what were the communications from Trump? And were they, as you suggest, either unless Corcoran decided to fall on his own sword, giving Trump uh, total deniability possible? But man, you, you know you don't find that very often. Like I said, they're not going to kill themselves to save Donald Trump. It's just not going to happen. Then Trump's involved in his, this decision. Trump told him something, and it could be very strong evidence of obstruction. One quick point of process, the government just has to come forward with a little bit of showing that there may be evidence of a crime, and then Judge Beryl Howell will decide 
whether more than likely or not, that's enough to pierce the exception. And we already know that Howell already did that once with Manafort. So I'm expecting that will be the same here. And that may be the kill shot to Donald Trump, at least in this investigation. If the lawyers have to testify and they have to tell the truth, Donald Trump is fucked. He's fucked in a big way. So we'll see what happens. We'll obviously keep an eye on it and keep you posted. So we're about ready to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you all for taking the time you do. Every day you listen to the Rational Boomer podcast, and I can't tell you how appreciative I am. You take time out of your day to listen to me ramble on. And for the life of me, I don't know why, but I do appreciate it. I hope you have a great day today. We'll be interested to see what this report is going to look like once they release parts of it. And we'll have plenty to talk about that when that happens. I will tell you this, too. Uh, Ed will join me in tomorrow's program in the afternoon. You'll get the regular Rational Boomer podcast, but there will be an extra one with Ed. And it'll be interesting to get his Ed's insights as well. So you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.